What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hey, What You Watching, the weekly podcast where Marcelo Pico and I discuss the films we've been watching. This is episode 59, The Podcast Syndrome, and I'm your host, Matt Curione, and with me as usual is... Hey, it's your co-host, Marcelo Pico. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. How are you, friend? I'm doing great. How are you, friend? Ah, uh, pretty good. It's gorgeous out today, so I am podcasting with the windows open, so if I have any neighbors knock on my door, that's why. <laughs> knock on your door with your window open. It's, yeah, I, uh, it's very nice here. I was thinking of opening my window, but... Oh, I it's have, so pretty out. <laughs> I have noisy neighbors, so I'm not going to do that. And oh, okay. My neighbor tends to put out her dog around this time, and I don't want that barking oh, okay. on mic. So, yeah, it's it's, okay. it, it's beautiful. It's it's late February. It's like eighty degrees in Texas. Yeah, it's uh, like seventy five here. Yeah. So yeah, and it, uh, and it's a it's nice because it's like not humid today. No, I, it, I'm enjoying it thoroughly. As past listeners have have learned, Matt hates the humidity. Uh, I don't like it. Is there anything I you, don't care for it at all? Is there anything you hate more than humidity? Um, I was going to make a joke, but no, no, there really isn't. <laughs> there literally is nothing more you hate. No, no, humidity is kind of the worst. Yeah. Uh, well, your, your, your dog would agree with that. He does. He's, uh, <laughs> Sebastian is very smart today. Why is your dog named Sebastian? He's named Little Sebastian after the tiny horse on Parks and Recreation. That's right. Not the, yeah. not the lobster from Little Mermaid. No, not at all, no. No, no, that's too bad. When we got him, we were in the middle of a uh, Parks and Rec binge. Oh, okay. That's the yeah. end of that cover. That's the end of that's, that topic. That's, that's, that's that story. Uh, he was either going to be called uh, Little Sebastian or Ron. So uh, we went with uh, Little Sebastian. Oh, well, that is that is uh, sweet. Uh, my, my cats are named after fictional characters as well. So Nice. I think that's uh, the way to go. When you're going to name a pet... Go with something that you like. Yes, uh, that is fictional. <laughs> don't uh, like don't don't name your dog like Uncle Charlie because you had a really nice Uncle Charlie when you were a kid. That's a little weird. Yeah, if you do that, listeners, you're a weirdo. Okay, you, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. It's a, it's Such a, disdain hey, that we have. Exclusive. We don't like our listeners. <laughs> we don't. Oh, I love our listeners. It's just you know some of them. Jesus. Oh, some of them are the worst, and you know uh, who you are. Um, have you, you eaten know any, you did. Have you, you know any, you uh, did. Have you eaten any shit, shitty food, Matt? No, Jesus. I've been eating well this week. Well, good. You haven't been to Taco Bell? No, I haven't been down that to that side of town. Because it's like a 15-minute drive, and I don't want to deal with that. Uh, you, you're not going to go out of your way to eat Taco Bell, are you? No, I mean, if I'm in the area, I'll stop by. I'll be like, hey, I'll get this. All right. I just wanted to have, a, not, ta- I want to have a Taco I'm not Bell a fool. <laughs> That's your Taco Bell update, folks. Let's yeah. not, not talk I'll let you know if it. I went there next week. Yes, yes, let me know. Uh, so, uh, I guess that's that's the chat portion of the show done. Check. Oh my god, we need to work on these, <laughs> uh, these segues, because they're dreadful. Like, well, like, we literally have... Uh, we, we talk constantly, like, uh, uh, offline. Uh, we're, we're a bunch of chatty Cathy's. Like, on, on the... Uh, we have a, a messaging system for talkfromsociety.com, where... The the writer. Yeah, that's the name of the website. Yeah, that's that. Hey, we 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 run a website, so yeah, we have a, a like a Slack thing where we all message each other. So we're co- we're constantly talking. So I'm talking to you constantly, Matt. So it's lovely. Uh, wh- what do you think about that new Batman news? Huh? That just broke. <laughs> Wasn't he not doing it, Mr. Matt Reeves? Hey, this is- they were like, hey, Matt Reeves is doing it, and they're like, nah, he's not doing it. But then like 20 minutes ago, they're like, yep. 
he signed on. I'm like, okay, just shut up. We, we, make, we make make up your mind, fool. We better be careful and, and not sound like a a real podcast because if <laughs> we we don't want to be talking about movie news because that's what normal uh, movie podcasts do. So. I'll talk movie news all day with you. What Hellboy three is not happening, and I'm sad because they're just going to reboot the thing. Yeah, that's that's the word, isn't it? It's the uh, Mike. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Mike Mc, uh, Mignola. Mike Mignola. Mignola. Yeah, is, is going to. He's implying that they're going to reboot it without Ugh. Guillermo del Toro. So, and I will not be going to see that. No, uh, nobody should, unless it's like no. maybe like an animated series. Maybe uh, yeah. I, I'd see that. Like on TV. the animated movies I've I've seen aren't that great. So, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it's a it's a shame. But oh. no, if if Del Toro's not involved, I'll uh, I will not be touching that with a ten foot pole, sir. So there you go. That's our movie news update. Uh, now, by the time you listen to this, folks, it's a week old, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, but wah, wah. by this point, Matt Reeves will probably uh, leave the project again. So oh, he's not on it again, and you know Seth Rogen is playing Batman. It's it's a whole <laughs> new world. So that okay, I think that's sufficient uh, back and forth for us. Is it? <laughs> no, I think it is. I say we uh, shift right into Matt's Riddle Corner. Where What's going to be on the show clues. this week? Yes, uh, here we go. This week we're going to talk about an old man with some claws. And then we're going to talk about a younger man with some guns. And then we're going to talk about a toy who lives in a cave. And then we're going to go uh, to a nice little health spa in the Swiss Alps and have a really good time. And then we're going to drink some rum with Johnny Depp. And then we're going to have a birthday on February 27th. It's going to be just lovely. And then we're going to go all the way to China. And then we're going to hang out with the Eagles of Death Metal. I can't really make a joke about that. But they're, they're a decent band, I guess. And then we're going to hang out with Annette Benning in her little snub corner. And then we're going to time travel with Bruce Willis. We are going to shut up, dog. That's not a movie, but don't worry about it. And then we're going to hang out with uh, Jane Fonda and Michael Douglas and Jack Lemmon as they uncover a nuclear uh, problem. And then we're going to get mad as hell, and we're not going to take it anymore from all the president's men. It's a loaded show this week. Yes. Uh, very much so. Uh, now. Okay. So that's done. Check. Check. Now. Oh, my God. It's time to bring We really in, need to work on this. It's time to bring in our guest. Hey, I, I've been doing podcasting for how long? Uh, almost. About 18 years. Two and a half years. Over close to 180 hours of podcasting. And it feels like my first day. So, <laughs> uh, who is our guest? Who is our guest this week? This week we have a very special guest. He comes from us straight from Talk Film Society, which is some website that I heard of. Uh, he's the associate editor over there. This is Rob Trench. How you doing, Rob? Hey, <laughs> hey, Rob <laughs> Trench. Hey. Uh, another person who I talk to on a daily basis. <laughs> How's yes. it going, Mister Rob Trench? It's going good. Good. Um, good. Just to, sort of, just to sort of chime in on what you guys were mentioning in the start, it's equally as warm today in Toronto, about 17, 18 degrees Celsius, which you I can confirm don't know what that means. It, it's pretty warm, honestly. Okay. It feels like it's May right now. So that's oh, good. nice. Yeah. yeah. What is the 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 uh, the ratio? Like if it's I don't know. If it's 10 degree, if it's 10 Celsius, what is it Fahrenheit? Does anybody know? Nobody knows. Somebody look that up. <laughs> anyway, um, it's basically like six, it's, it's basically like sixty-two Fahrenheit right now. Okay. Okay. If, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so it's, it's, it's a nice, yeah, it's nice. It's like a nice spring day. Yeah, it's, it's cool. like t-shirt weather. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good, yeah. Uh, Rob, you were last on Hey What You Watching on episode thirty-four. 
So wow, that's a fun fact. So now you're back on on fifty nine. Uh, yep. For the longest time, I thought you, Matt. I thought Rob was going to be on uh, sixty nine, and that would have been nice. Nice. <laughs> but no. Uh, we'll save. Yes, I just found it in my. I found it in my notes. He was on episode thirty four, podcast in the two strings. Uh, excellent. Yep. Uh, so uh, now Rob is back. Uh, hey, you know, I, I think. Let me see. Last time we talked was back in September or August, around that point. One of those, yeah. yeah. It was before the launch of the website. Uh, oh, of, yeah. Of course, of course, like, the three of us have been on since then on uh, some Writer's Room episodes for the Talk From Society podcast. But, but hey, I mean, we're three months in, guys. I mean, it's... And uh, we're, I think we're doing pretty well. Uh, we've... I mean, today we just published, like, what, like, four articles? Damn. So, they were, like, we're on fire. So, and we had, what, like, one of our biggest weeks last week, so it's... Yep. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, it's going pretty well on TalkFromSociety.com. Don't you think, Mr. Rob Trench? Totally. I just love all these uh, nice shout-outs we're getting, too. I mean, we also had the great uh, Talk Home Society Awards on Sunday, which were very special, and you said to yourself it was the best they've ever gone. Yes, so. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I guess we should talk about that. I mean, Matt's... Uh, should we do? Yes. Should, should we do getting to know you, or like, should we just say, "Hey, we, oh, we we know we Rob. know Rob Trench." Okay, this is let let's just talk. You know, let, let's casually discuss the goings on. A talk from the site. Let's shoot the breeze. Let's shoot the breeze, as the kids say. Bra, we should, bra. <laughs> no, we should do like another bra, segment bra. on the show where uh, returning guests. Uh, let's let's get to know the breeze. Let's just shoot the breeze. Okay. We'll work it's on that. It's a lovely breeze out today. It's a lovely breeze. <laughs> so yes, we had talk. We had the talk from Society Awards this past Sunday. As of this recording, yeah, we all, I I always do it since the beginning, a week before the Oscars, uh, and I always make voting happen before the Oscar. I mean, uh, usually before the Golden Globes, so uh, voters aren't influenced by like who wins and stuff. So yes, uh, yes, I always tend to do that. So yes, it was week. Ago, but uh, and um, and yeah, I am happy with the results. And like what Rob was saying, I was saying it's the best it's gone since since the start. So we, we had a massive amount of people following along online, uh, retweets, obviously from uh, two big uh, <laughs> communities online. We we gave two special awards to uh, uh, Kristen Stewart. For her work yeah. in t- 2016, and we got the case to fans retweeting that tweet, and we oh also we God. also got and they, and they just keep coming. The yeah. notifications are coming days later. It, yeah, uh, I I, I uh, follow the Talk Film Society uh, account on Twitter, and I get at least on average now like days removed, like about 20. Uh, like every I mean, day. I would, I would hope you would follow it. You do. <laughs> I am, I, I control it. So yes, I get the notifications. <laughs> and the other award we gave to uh, Lemonade. So we yes, got the, the Beehive came out in the force. Beehive came out in force. They even added the site to Beyonce's Wikipedia page for awards and accolades received. So that's Wait, a pretty legitimate did? honor. Wait yeah. a second. Oh, that's awesome, Rob. This is news to me. I'm going to look it up right now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to Wikipedia right now. List okay. of awards received by Beyonce. No way. Okay. Next, <laughs> control F. Talk Home Society. Uh, Rob, let me ask you. Okay, because uh, the way I did it before, in like the first three years, because this, this was the fourth year doing it. Um, the last three years, I of course was kind of running things on my own. Uh, the award show. And I picked the Founders Award and the Special Awards by myself. But this year, I was like, hey, 
I should open up. I should open it up to the writing staff of TalkFilmSociety.com and see what they think. And uh, I know. I think it was you, Rob, who brought up Kristen Stewart. Uh, I didn't think it was going to go in. I was just like half of like a oh lark, my really. God. But you know, everyone else was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea." So it's there. I see it right now. This is wonderful. <laughs> Well, well, we'll get to Beyonce in a bit, man. But, but Rob, let me tell you because I think you're, I think out of the three of us, I think you're the one who's, who's who has seen more Kristen Stewart films last year. Because I didn't get yeah. a chance, I didn't get a chance to see um, certain women. Uh, right. I, yeah, I, I heard she's great in that. But what is it about Kristen Stewart and her work from last year, Rob? Well, I think it's sort of a weird kind of transition kind of thing for her. It's like. She was defined by that Twilight franchise for, like, a good four or five years of her career. And then, like, right after that ended, she starts working with these powerhouse directors like Olivier Isaias and, like, Ang Lee. And, you know, it really shows that she is, like, a determined young actress who has tons of talent. And she just seemed like, even before she was in the Twilight movies, she had work in films like Into the Wild and other stuff. So she's a really talented actress. Um, Somewhat um, taken off the... You know, path to greatness, but now she's back on it and really is showing with all that she's honestly one of the best young talents we have right now. So, yeah. Um, I think it was just right to, you know, bestow her with something just because I know most voters with uh, Talk Film Society probably wouldn't have put her in their like top five for actresses of the year, mostly because the films that she started in didn't really get a whole lot of big like box office traction or whatever but it was still like very commendable stuff there and i mean i kind of felt like it was worth of merit i mean yeah absolutely and and, and like i i was totally on board uh because i i uh, especially after last year i've known this for a while i think since um adventureland that like she was m- much more than just Mm-hmm. The the girl from Twilight. Like I've I've known her for a while, <laughs> and and the Runaways. Like she was amazing in that. So I've known for a while, and uh, yeah, I was totally on board. Just looking at her body of work from last year, I was like, well, uh, I've seen her. I saw her in, in in Billy Lynn, and she was like pretty good in that. And Matt, yeah, she's you, real good in that. You saw Cafe Society, and you were a big fan of her in that, right? I saw I saw that movie numerous times. Yeah, so. Uh, the work is there, and yeah, uh, not just film work, but I mean, she was that. Was it that Rolling Stone music video, right? Yes. Yeah, and also, well, this was 2017, right? She was on SNL, so yeah, it's it's, it's she's riding this wave. It's and it's good. And Personal Shopper is coming up uh, soon. I know people have already seen it. It made the festival round, so yeah, I'm 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 happy that we did it. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, that turned out well. It, it, it's, it wasn't like a. It could have been seen as like a like a stunt. It's like, hey, yes, yeah. let's let's get let's get as many. Hey, re- let's 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 mention Kristen Stewart on Twitter. Let's see what happens, folks. <laughs> and then speaking of that, yes, Beyonce, Lemonade, like, and yeah, damn right, Matt. I just saw it. I'm on Wikipedia and I see Talk Film Society Awards Lemonade on Beyonce's. Uh, list of awards. Uh, it's wonderful. On Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. And she will. She will see that. You know that. Right? <laughs> Does it, I feel like she's the kind of person that checks like her Wikipedia pages. Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, we'll see. I. Uh, it, it's. 
I'm hoping it stays on there. There's no like reference link to it. On so stay tuned next. Stay tuned next week for special guest Beyonce Knowles. <laughs> uh, but hey, like I think it was Ryan uh, on on the Slack. Uh, one of our writers, Ryan Ryan Bar Barnett Barnett. Yeah, I think he was the one who brought up Lemonade. Yeah, and I was like, yes, I think we should Bless. definitely do that. Uh, it makes sense to me. Like after all that lemonade talk we had uh, last year, Matt's. I think we mm-hmm. even had a segment on it on the show, talking about on the, mar- on the telethon. Yeah, uh, with with uh, you, me, and Diego. Yes. Uh, speaking of its worth as a film, as a feature film, and yeah, and then we talked about it on the best of 2016 podcasts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I and then yeah, it, it makes sense to me. It's an important work. It's I I, I will say it's hard to define. But I think it's it's important, you know. Uh, I'll say it's a masterpiece, and it should be recognized. So, again, Thank you. not yeah, not a ploy to get retweets. <laughs> not no, at all. This, this is how we really feel. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, how you know, seventy five percent of us feel. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, th- those are the special awards. We got a lot of attention on those. And I'm I'm happy that the screenwriter of Revival gave us a shout out, uh, and, yeah. uh, and also the uh, one of the songwriters on the Sing Streets he gave us a shout out on Twitter. So yeah, good because that's a great song. Yeah, uh, you haven't seen that movie yet, Matt. No, but I love that song. I love <laughs> <See>? that soundtrack. <laughs> you know, it's on Netflix still. It's it's easy. You can you can. I know. Uh, do it. Okay. But I like that song. <laughs> uh, okay, and, but we can't. Go. It, it's it actually at work we uh, put on the radio like the Pandora like the '80s station all the time. Uh-huh. That song came up the other day on Duran Duran radio. It was awesome. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh wait, this is this is Sing Street. This oh man, this is cool. And see, that would make more sense if you saw the movie, Matt. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure I would. But you know, I like the soundtrack. Uh, okay, so we can't go. Uh, we can't continue talking about. You talk from Society Awards without mentioning that Boyhood won Best Film of the Year. What? Uh, yeah, it did. Uh, boy, uh, no, so not Boyhood. Moonlight. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, what? Moonlight. I think Rob made that joke, uh, and now it got stuck in my head. What, what was that joke, Rob? Where it's like uh, Boyhood's like, who are you? And Moonlight's like, I'm you, but stronger and better in every possible way. <laughs> and uh, I, I was right though. Boyhood did win uh, two years ago. Uh, best film of the year at the Talk from Society Awards, and now Moonlight won this year. So, my apologies, but yes, Moonlight, and I, I have a feeling it's going to be another year where the, the Talk from Society Awards will will diverge from the Oscars. Uh, mm. at, at this point, at this point, listeners, the Oscars have already happened. So, uh, I mean, you, you can tell us if we were wrong. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll talk about it next week, but. Yeah, uh, uh, Moonlight uh, got the big award at the Talk from Society Awards. So, yay, Rob. Let me ask you um, that 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 divergence between the Talk from Society Awards voters and the Oscars. Like, uh, like, do you? Because I've been thinking about it. Because of course I count the votes and everything. Like, do you think there's there's something worth uh, looking into in terms of like where? The online community is going, and where the Oscars are going. Like, is there is there always going to be is there always going to be like a divergence? I feel like there will be because uh, something like TFS sort of has this rooted underdog mentality to what um, 
being people who follow award season for several months kind of can see with what the big institution like the Oscars are going to go for. I mean, a movie like La La Land, which first premiered uh, at the end of August, start of September, like nearly six months ago, and has basically been rooted in the conversation for this entire time is like the most domineering film and the best possible chance. Uh, at the time of recording this podcast, we're about a few days away from the Oscars actually happening, and at this point, it just kind of seems like a given that it's going to go to La La Land. I mean, it would be a bit ridiculous to bet against anything else, even Moonlight, the film which won the best film at Top Film Society Awards. And it just seems like... I would love if, say, Moonlight even got like in the split for Best Picture and Best Director, like they gave... Barry Jenkins director or the Game of Light Picture in La La Land uh, you know, director instead but it just seems like it right now that's probably not going to happen um, and a lot of it has to do with maybe the actual uh, makeup of the voting board on the Oscars and how we have all these people who've been on there for several decades and they're used to a more you can, you can say it White people, <laughs> yeah, white yeah, people. the the whites, um, like me, but um, white but straight people, yeah, say it, it's fine, yeah. But anyway, it's like they prefer something that's more classic and rooted in tradition, so they're going to go for something like La La Land because you know we haven't had a musical win since Chicago, like nearly fifteen years ago, and it's an actual callback to you know musicals of the past in the sort of weird postmodern way. Uh, it just seems like the safe choice and it is also just Hollywood patting itself on the back which oh, is kind of an even thing too so. they love themselves <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I, and yeah, I, you know for for history's sake I, I kind of do want La La Land to win Best Picture at the Oscars just so just so us rogues that talk from society can say you know we picked you know Moonlight which I I, <laughs> I, I, I still say is like the most essential important movie of last year so uh, but hey, La La Land is still my number one. Let 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 let's let's move on. We, <laughs> I think let's I think, move on to talking about what movies we've seen. I think we've shot the breeze enough <laughs> with Rob Trench. So that breeze is dead. Let's get down to business. Uh, okay. So oh, here we go. Oh boy, I I wanted to hear your opinion on this. Like, well, of course, like there's a review out there for for those who want to read Rob's review. But to hear his thoughts on this film, we have him live right here. Uh, Logan, Mr. Routrench. Oh my goodness. You saw this pretty early. Yep. And About as, a week ago today. Yeah. So. And, as a, and, and when this episode comes out, it'll, it'll come out next Thursday. So uh, people may be listening you, to this. They're about to go see... So you can listen to this episode on the way to the theater. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, Matt and I haven't seen it. Because uh, we, no. we 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 were not that lucky, but yes, Rob, Logan, uh, what what are your thoughts on this? Okay, should should I be, uh, sh- should my hype level be high for this? Well, honestly, for me, seeing the first couple of trailers come out in the last couple of months, they didn't really do much for me. Like I was watching this, and I just kind of gave a shrug. It just kind of seemed like they're using the same sort of you know aesthetic techniques in a really kind of pandering way you know the johnny cash depressing song in the background and the sort of muted sepia tone color palette and just like oh look now there's wolverine he's actually slashing people and blood's coming out i mean it seemed to me like it just kind of seemed like they were giving 
people what they wanted for a Logan movie for all these years. But I ought to say that that last thing I just mentioned actually works so well because seeing the movie in its complete form on the big screen, it is the Logan movie that people have wanted for like the last 20 years since the first X-Men movie came out. I mean, it's just... I don't know. It's just... It's great because it's just... It's a comic book movie that's not like comic book movies. It actually takes more inspiration from sort of like that kind of uh, era in the 1970s uh, where sort of there's like a changing tide in Hollywood and you're getting more mature developed storylines of more adult themes um, and sort of, you know, I just uh, I just really liked it because it totally defied my expectations completely and I just really like when the movie does that and yeah so uh, <laughs> so yeah <laughs> I'm, so I'm just speechless. thinking about the movie again. I'm just saying. like, wow, it was, it was really good. I think yeah. Rob needs a change of pants. Is what's happening. Um, so I listen. I I even after hearing and even after reading Rob's review, after listening to all the hype like this past week uh, and last week, like when the reviews were released, like I, I and I think we've talked about this. Like I think Rob and I and Matt and I for sure about the X Men movies. And how, yeah, we have. <laughs> I mean, Matt, you know for sure I am not a fan of Apocalypse. I know. So, and I, I have my hesitations on X Men movies. So even I'm a bit hesitant. Like I am excited to see it. I'll be, I'll be there. You know, hopefully Thursday night. But, Same. Uh, well, no, I won't be able to go on Thursday. But hey. But 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 what Rob is saying is, I mean, I should, I should put those worries behind me. Right, it's like you don't don't even think of it as an X Men movie. I mean, this movie starts; all the X Men are dead, pretty much. I mean, yeah. it's just Wolverine and like Professor X at this point. It's well, good, really, really. You know, not, that's not a spoiler. It's like in the trailers and stuff, but yeah. still, oh, it's yeah, just like yeah. it really just you know cuts right to the chase and trying to separate itself and exist outside of like the continuity uh, of the other films and sort of hinting at if it even has any connection to them at all. So it's a real standalone kind of take on the series mythology and you know things that we have come to expect yeah well i'm excited to hear that because i think one thing that was really burdening the the last few x-men movies was that mythology it's like the the literally like was it days of future past was the converging of the timelines which kind of i liked it on one hand but by the end it, it was kind of infuriating so the fact that this is now this logan is like a standalone film i'm excited about that so yeah, I mean Matt, you, sh- you I mean you you're, you're a bigger fan of the X Men movies than than me, I think, right? Yes. You you love <laughs> don't you love the Wolverine? I do, and I'm, I love James Mangold in general. Uh, I think he's he's got a great head on his shoulders. He knows how to make good choices when it comes to his characters. I mean, uh, a few months ago, I finally saw Copland for the first time, which I think was maybe his first film. Was it? Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, I think okay. a fa- I think a fact checker will look that up. Yeah, uh, fact checker, please correct me if I'm wrong. But and I really fell in love with that, and I loved the character choices he made in that, and I loved the character choices he made in the Wolverine. Um, like we said last week, uh, I love everything about that movie except for the final battle because it didn't need a final battle except you know studio heads are like you need a CGI fight at the end of a superhero movie, and he was like, oh, I guess. Uh, but yeah, no, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I remember years ago when it first came out, uh, Mark Millar's uh, Old Man Logan story 
uh, really took me by surprise. I mean, I had written off Wolverine years ago. Uh, I always had the, the common joke that Wolverine's only superpower is popularity. And I was not interested in Wolverine anymore. I was, I was done with him. I was like, yeah, everyone likes him just because, you know, he's, he's that guy. Uh, but then Old Man Logan really... Really hit home. I really liked that story. I liked uh, how it tied into the uh, overall story of his character. And I love uh, the characters that pop up in Old Man Logan. I mean, I doubt that 90% of the characters in the book are going to be in the movie uh, because of rights issues, etc. But I'm excited that they're taking that as their basic springboard for this. Uh, it, it excites me to no end. Yeah, uh, uh, and a, a fact checker just just uh, informed me that Heavy was his first film, uh, Dune okay. Mangled, in nineteen ninety five. Copland was probably his big studio picture. Though. Yeah, that was his second film okay. in ninety seven. Okay, and, and I I always find uh, like every time I look at James Mangold's filmography, which I don't do that often, I'm always <laughs> surprised by how like like uh, diverse it is, like how yes, crazy very. it is. It goes from he goes from Copland to Girl Interrupted. Kate and yeah. Leopold, Identity, which I forgot that he did. Is that the the Cusack movie? Yeah, the one with the the multiple. Hey, identity. I like yeah. that movie. Yeah, and then Walk the Line, Three Ten to Yuma. I haven't seen that one. Uh, I love Three Ten to Yuma though. Night and Day. <laughs> I, I had fun with that. That was, <laughs> and, that was good enough. Uh, yeah, it, I, it was. It's it's a crazy Tom Cruise movie. Um, it's pretty crazy. And you know, then of course the Wolverine and Logan. But yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a hell of a filmography. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's quite varied. I have one more question for Rob about Logan. What's up? Oh, I'm not Rob. He is. <laughs> uh, Rob, how familiar how familiar are you with James Mangold's filmography? And like, like, do you see any connections to anything he's done previous? Like, and and, and you know, coming to Logan, I'm not so much that it would like instantly like come to mind watching the film, I guess. Which I guess may actually kind of be a strength because it kind of just, you know, speaks to how well the filmmaker he can be where he can traverse through all these different types of films and genres and still make a really kind of distinct product, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess uh, like uh, somebody like Matt could hope for, hope for like a Copland like type of vibe or like even God, I love Copland or like a three ten to Yuma type of vibe, but yeah, uh, he's he's definitely uh, well. I don't like like somebody like like Soderbergh can like jump from genre to genre and like fit in like perfectly well. I wouldn't say Mangold is as good as Soderbergh, but like in terms of jumping from genre to genre, he he does yeah. pretty well. Mangold does, yeah. But Logan, hey, Matt and I are excited. <laughs> Very. And on, I'm guessing on the next no, probably like two episodes from now, we'll we'll get to see Logan and we'll report yeah. back. So there you go. That's that's a tease for people listening. Much excites. Uh, okay. Hey, speaking, speaking of hype, sometimes it works in a reverse manner. <laughs> I was gonna say the exact Rob, same thing. <laughs> what do you think of John Wick Chapter Two? <laughs> it was okay. Ah, let's move on. Okay, so Verbinski, <laughs> you hurt my soul so much, Rob. Okay, seriously, like it was funny. It's it was funny uh, when you said uh, through our our messaging system, you're like, "Hey, I just saw John Wick too," and you were like, "Luke is, is lukewarm appropriate?" You were just like, "Yeah, yeah I'd right, say yeah. so." And when you said that, I was editing last week's episode where I start the episode with like John Wick music. And there's like 
20 minutes of me, Matt, and our guests just praising John Wick 2 like, yes. to, the, to the high heavens. So Because it deserves it. But you know, we are fair and balanced on this show. <laughs> I think we've always said that, right, Matt? <laughs> That's our catchphrase. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> yes, fair and balanced. That's us. <laughs> Rob, okay, I, w- I, I want to hear your point of view on, on, your, on your blasé John Wick um, uh, reaction. Like, why, Rob? Why you do this? Why you well, do like, this to me, Damien? Uh, I I didn't hate the movie at all, guys. I just okay, good. thought it was I thought it was just okay. I mean, when that can, that, sound, that sounds bad because it's, you know I'm not praising it to the high heavens like you guys say. But I mean, it was weird for me because I was really excited to see this movie. I saw it like ten days after like most of my friends seemed to have seen it, so I felt like I was left out of these conversations in a way. And you know, finally got a chance to check it out on Cheap Tuesday, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be really good. I'm you know. Afternoon matinee show and with a whole bunch of bros. This is going to go down so well. Um, and I was on board for most of the first act. Like, I love the opening sequence when he goes to get his car back, and it's just like, yes, this is like, you know, exactly what I was looking forward to. And then the story starts to move, you know, beyond that point into like the main sort of thrust of things. And it just, I don't know exactly what happened with me, but I just kind of started to lose like interest in you know the story and you know it's kind of like you get called back into you know his one last job and then he gets double crossed and you know he has to fight his way back and i just it didn't seem like it was that unique to me it just seemed so derivative of so many other movies i've seen before and i just didn't like this whole concept of world building in the movie where it's like slowly Revealed to be this kind of weird quasi universe where like hitmen are like demigods and they have control over time, space, and free will. And I'm just like, okay, this is a bit too ridiculous now. I <laughs> like the whole thing of Keanu Reeves being like a hit, hit, hitman who it's you know impossible to kill, but you make the whole world he's encased in just as you know supernatural, and it just doesn't seem to be as interesting anymore, or compelling, especially when you know he's going to win in the end. I mean. I don't know. I know, like, I like the way they kind of left it open for, like, a uh, inevitable third chapter, of course. But I just couldn't help but feel like I walked out of the theater on, like, a sour note or something to me. But, I mean, I love the action. The action's fantastic. It's just I'm having more problems with the story itself. And at the same time, I know it's one of those kind of films where I shouldn't really be focusing too much on the story. Um, but that seems like a cop-out to me, because I feel like... Uh, the way that the you know stylization of the visuals and all the work that goes to that, I feel like this other element should be just as high on that level. I mean, in terms of what it's trying to connote and stuff. So yeah, that's sort of like where I'm at on the movie. But Keanu was good. So <laughs> uh, Matt, your response. I thought it was really good, and I loved everything that you didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else okay. I can say. Uh, yeah, I, like, I I love the world building. I I love the story yeah, in this. I was gonna bring that up. Like I, I I don't know why I like this, you know, world building, this lore, and like these John Wick movies more than like uh, any other movies. Because uh, I've talked about how much I don't like lore building. Lore. Like, yeah, you Matt, hate lore. Matt, yeah, Matt knows. Like I don't like lore most of the times. Like the the lore in Halloween is. One of the dumbest it's things. It's bullshit, ridiculous. It's I hate it. I don't like it. I know uh, you do. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's not so good. But I I totally buy it for John Wick. I don't know why. It's 
the, the fact that they do make these spies like like Robert saying like demigods, I think that's interesting to me. I, I find that compelling to make these to to make like uh, these hitmen like uh, these this underground world uh, like it seems like as ridiculous as it seems it seems like it could act it could happen you know yeah does that, does that make any sense it's no it's like secret societies yeah stuff. yeah like a secret society okay yeah that, that's well put like it, as ridiculous as it sounds like it doesn't you know uh doesn't like ring untrue to me i don't know so and and, and then like uh, people were kind of like maybe analyzing it a bit too much but i appreciate the the work that, that, that they've done, like comparing it to like uh, Greek mythology, and the, the and like uh, the the de- deconstruction of like um, of like societal boundaries. I don't know. Uh, I'm glad they're doing the work here rather than doing the work on like Resident Evil, the final chapter. So <laughs> same. <laughs> but I, I I do feel I don't feel like it's uh, and Matt, you might be angry at me for saying this. I don't feel it's like that s- smart. But I, th- uh, I, I wouldn't say it's smart, but I say it, it, it's its own level of smart, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't... It, uh, it is what it is. It's not high-concept, like, intelligent yeah. thriller, but it is, like, well-executed action with, like, a world that I really can, can get into, so I can yeah. get into it, so, yeah. There is sort of, like, an interesting level of commentary on the way the film utilizes violence and sort of uh, our own kind of fascination with it just as people who like watching action movies and i mean there seems like that one part um after he um uh is trying to escape uh when he's in uh rome and he shoots that one person on the stage and jumps off and the crowd just cheers you know (laughs) those references like that and everything and or when he's in the subway and he's trying to evade common and they're just like shooting each other and no one's like any paying any attention or whatever it just interesting the way the kind of movie tries to you know infuse these action moments into like monotonous like everyday life and the way in which that we sort of respond to them i guess or anything like that but it just i don't know this is a movie that i feel like on paper i really should have loved and had the same sort of response as you guys and i was just kind of baffled that i came home from the movie and i just kind of felt really sick and had to lie down and have like a nap it's like that's not the kind of thing that should have happened i should have been like so amped and energized but I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll revisit the movie in a few months and I'll realize that I was completely wrong for everything I've just said. Fingers but crossed. <laughs> at this point, I just feel like it was an all right sequel. I like the first one a lot more. I think because it did more of the concept in terms of being more lean and focused, I guess, and not having this sort of layering of the like world building, as you guys say. But I don't know. Maybe the third chapter will actually do some great stuff in terms of that element and really bring things into a wider kind of frame. Uh, obviously, the story of John Wick is not done yet, but things are looking good for another chapter, and everyone seems very keen. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said last episode, I if, if I were to criticize it at one point, it'd be... It just leaves way too much... Like, way too many open threads. So... I would. That's what chapter three is for. Yeah, so I'm looking forward. Of course, I'm looking forward to chapter. That's three. what the next issue of the comic book is. For. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so thank you, Rob. I mean, like I said, we're fair and balanced on this show. We we, <laughs> we like to hear <laughs> varying viewpoints. Um, so hey, what's next, Matt? 
I believe you went to go see a movie about some toys. Okay, good. Because I know you made a comment on the schedule, and I was confused. Okay. It's okay, because we were supposed to do that right after Logan, and you disregarded. It's cool. <laughs> did I disregard? I thought you did. Yeah, you took... No, not at all. Oh, I hate you. This is going to be I in the you. show. I don't know. <laughs> so, Lego Batman. This is going to be quick, okay? Speaking of me hating Matt, uh, <laughs> you, Matt, you gave this a very lackluster review. I'm middle of the road on it. I am like uh, like a a notch away from loving this movie. Very middle of the road for me. I I uh, I will agree with most people, and I think you may have said it too, Matt. It is too long. Way too long. Did we really need like a a one minute sequence where he stares at a microwave? (laughs) It was funny though. But I no, but but my my no. I I got a kick out of it. My main problem was like the final. It seemed like there were like two third acts and like the end. Yeah, they could have been cut down drastically. Um, but yeah, I uh, I I, yeah, like I said, maybe I just needed this type of movie like the night I saw it because I I needed a pick me up, and this was definitely a pick me up. And yeah, I like I said, I was very close to like loving it through and through. It was funny. It had a good commentary on the Batman character. Uh, I of course I dug the animation. I dug all the all the cameos. Uh, I think this is the third episode in a row that we've mentioned Doug Benson. As that Bane. was unnecessary. <laughs> it's amazing. Which I will say, I will say, I'm glad that's in the commercials for this movie now. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because he he is in he's in it just enough. I think. To, to please a Doug Loves Movies fan like me. Like, he's yeah. in it for most of the movie. Not for most of the movie. I mean, he's in it throughout uh, where you can say, hey, there he is again. But yeah, I mean, I had a good time. Uh, def- it's not as good as the Lego movie, the original. Very but, few things are. But I've, I liked it a lot. So that's my review. Uh, Rob, I know you saw... Lego Batman movie, right? Yeah, uh, I saw it just over a week ago and wrote a review for the site, which you guys can all check out if you want. And I feel like I kind of cooled down on it a little bit uh, since seeing it. And I think it's really funny. I think that it's also very exhausting towards the third act once like it gets to like full action sequence level and just the animation is like blistering in terms in terms of trying to look at it i mean thank god i didn't see it in 3d but like it just seemed like it was like a you know visual workout at some points um i think it's kind of funny that people are saying it's too long because it's like one of the first films starring a superhero that's like under two hours in quite a while it's like 100 minutes right i mean Uh, about that yeah yeah, but I do kind of agree. It could have been cut in places here and there. Like it seemed like there was an overabundance of content, and I mean, I didn't really like the whole thing where they bring in all these other like Lego franchises into the mix. It seemed like it was like a toy commercial. I mean, that's what it is. But like, it seemed like it was like a it direct its hand one. Too much. Yeah, and they could have like taken that level back and had more time with all these. Lego Batman villains because Batman has one of the greatest, if not the greatest, rogues gallery of any character, and it just kind of sucks that you know we only get like Doug Benson as Bane as the most <laughs> man to talk, and all these other guys just kind of get like one or two lines a piece. I mean, I don't know, uh, but yeah, I thought it was pretty pretty good. Well, not as good as the Lego Movie, but still, you know, fun. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll be seeing it again. So 
my opinion might change in a few months, Marcelo. Don't worry. <laughs> it's it's not like, you know, let's say, let me give an example, like Rob being so blase about John Wick 2. I'm not that upset. So <laughs> Okay, uh, good. <laughs> but I just found, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Because I, I said it before, I was like, maybe I shouldn't see this because... Uh, from your review, Matt, and we had uh, John Golson on like two episodes ago. He kind of had a similar reaction. I was like, yeah. Uh, but then, of course, you have like Rob. Rob's review kind of also convinced me. But other people were like, yeah, it's 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 a fun time. And I think it was a fun time. And I I, I didn't mind all the cameos and because I I don't really care about toys. I don't. I, don't, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it would be kind of cool to own like a little Batman Lego toy. Um. They didn't that, give you them at the movies? No, no. Oh, because they gave us Legos when we walked in. I went I went to see this at like a cheap uh, Regal Theater on a Tuesday. Oh, okay. So, of All course. Right. And it was like a week and a half after it came out. So, of course. And then they ran out already. Of course. But, yeah. Boo. That was fun. So, I had a good time uh, seeing Lego Batman. And, yeah, uh, we'll see. Because uh, the next one is... Was it N- N- Ninjago? Is that what it's N- called? Ninjago. 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 That's fun. <laughs> I don't know. There's no way I'm going to see that. I don't, I don't think. There's no connection to it that I would enjoy, unless it you turns like, out to do be. Do you like? Do you like ninjas? Unless, unless it turns out to be like a like like the Lego Movie or the Lego Batman, where it turns out to be like a smart commentary. Uh, or has like many references to like the the, the ninja or, or samurai movies that I love. So yeah, if it's, it turns uh, out to be of, that, then I don't know. It's kind of like a spinoff of the Ninja Go TV series, I think. Uh, but also like the toy line itself. But I feel like it's going to be aimed more towards kids because uh, Wonder Brothers always has like some sort of family movie that comes out in like mid September, and that's kind of the one they've kind of gone for. But uh, yeah, I don't really have that much appeal, but maybe they'll have some sort of hook for other people to check it out, I guess. It was kind of a surprise to me that, like, Lego Batman just didn't, like, you know, blow all the other competition out of the water when it came out. It seemed like the kind of movie that could have done, like, $200 million, but, like, you got the Batman fans, you got the kids and the families, and then does, like, $50 million. It just yeah. seems a little... Like, people are maybe not so enthused about the Lego brand, or just this whole sort of, like, synergy just didn't really take off the way it should have, but I don't know. Huh. It's yeah. got Jackie Chan. I'll go see it. Oh, yeah. Wait, that's Jackie Chan? He plays the sensei. He's, like, their leader, like, the teacher. Well, I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Yeah. And it has uh, Mr. Um, uh, Jennifer Aniston. Mr. Jennifer Aniston. Oh, The guy from uh, Mulholland Drive. He, didn't he also, like, write Iron Man... In 2008, didn't he do that? I think so. I don't know. Yeah. I just like calling him Mr. Jennifer Aniston. Tropic Thunder. I think yes. he also wrote that. Anyway, The Cure for Wellness. <laughs> right, dog? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, who who saw this movie? Me. Me. Both of you. I was going to see it this morning, but I ran out of time. I ate. I stayed home and ate chili dogs instead, so uh, that's why I got out of the, out of the whole deal. But... Okay, how about you, Matt? Matt, let me go to you first. I want to hear yes. your... Yes. I, I, I cherish okay, this. Okay, this movie is uh, my type of crazy pants. Uh, <laughs> this is the type of crazy pants that I would wear every day if given the chance. Uh, it's no surprise that I love Gore Verbinski. I've been a fan of his for a while. Uh, he's made uh, some of my favorite films. I love his style. I love his visuals. I like the way he chooses to tell a story uh, just by, especially in this one, um, 
it's your it's not your typical uh, haunted asylum movie. Uh, it's it's crazier than most. It's basically Gore Verbinski throwing everything he can at the screen, just saying, "Oh, you thought that was crazy? Hey, check out this. Oh, you want to see something really weird? Look at this thing." And it works. All of this works for me. Uh, I've heard people have issues with parts of the film, and I don't. Uh, this movie did give me a nightmare the night I saw it because. Uh, Here's a spoiler. I can't handle dental shit. I can't handle stuff with dentists, and I don't care for it. But hey, it's a movie that scared the crap out of me, and I can't wait to see it again when it comes out on Blu-ray. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a spooky season staple for me. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Rob, what about you and The Cure for Wellness? Well, I have to say... Um I don't want to give any spoilers away, but I went to go see this at a press screening a couple weeks ago, and I wasn't really feeling the movie that much. All I knew was that it had played at Vietnamathon, and it was like two and a half hours long, and it was a studio horror thriller coming out in February, which had been pushed back from its original release in August. So my expectations were not that high, I guess you could say, but I figured, mm-hmm. whatever, it's a free movie, and I get to review it for the site, so I'll <laughs> check it out. And then... Within the first couple of minutes, there's this one line that gets uttered, and I'm just like, I don't want to spoil it for you, Marcelo, but I was just like, okay, this is going to be a crazy movie. Uh, I was going to set myself in here. I think um, I know a line you're talking about, yeah, too. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> from that point on... So and actually, you had said that uh, to me uh, on like a personal chat. You were like, there was this one line early in the movie where I'm like, yeah, that's my shit. And <laughs> when, when I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's the line. <laughs> It was so, so good. So yeah, um, this is infuriating. Yeah, cr- <laughs> but <laughs> well, I'm sorry, you should have seen it. <laughs> well, you can see it later. It's okay. But the point okay. is that it kind of sets the tone for this movie that mm-hmm. it's going to go against your expectations, and it's a really interesting blend of sort of. Uh, I think in my tweet I said it was like a Lovecraftian kind of horror movie, Most but definitely. also sort of like Shutter Island in some ways too. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see it again, especially on blue, because the cinematography is just fantastic. Um, this is a gorgeous so, picture. Gorgeous, so lovingly kind of put together. And it, the story itself just goes to, to some really weird places. You just mm-hmm. are baffled that like Fox just gave Gorbachev Ginsky like, $40 million <laughs> to make this thing, because it's just, you know, incredible. Uh, and, I, I, yeah, yeah I, I love this thing. There's a lot of... Uh, another little thing I liked about it is there's a lot of Bioshock in this. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool, and I, I love that he 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 walked away from Bioshock because he wanted a hundred million and an R rating, and the studio was like, "No," and he's like, "Okay, that's cool, bye." Uh, but I was reading about this, and he was actually able to use some of his set designs from the Bioshock movie for Cure for Wellness, and you can tell it's there. It's pretty freaking cool. Interesting, interesting. So let me ask you, Matt. I'll ask you a question. Yes. Uh, are you a fan of Gore Verbinski? Uh, yes. Uh, the man made my favorite western, so I have a debt for him to him for life. The Lone Ranger. Okay, so yes. That's... Okay, sure. No, <laughs> I have not seen the Lone Ranger yet, but I hear it's good. But let's 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 make things more clear. It's Rango, right? It's totally Rango. Yes. Why? Why Rango? Uh, it just encapsulates everything that I love about a Western. You know, the, the stranger comes to a town and, you know, rescues everyone from their plight. Uh, he has a, a character crisis halfway through and has to work through that. 
Um, yeah, I just really love Rango, and it's one of the prettiest animated films I've ever seen. I, I just, I love everything about Rango. It's really, really terrific. And plus, it has a great Timothy Oliphant cameo, and if uh, I can get that out of a movie, I'm, I'm pretty okay. <laughs> um, what about you, Rob? How big of a fan of Gore Verbinski are you, uh, besides being a fan of his name? Uh, I'm I'm not really like a whore for gore or anything, but I think uh, I've seen enough of this movie. That's movies. the end of the podcast. Good night, everybody. <laughs> a whore for gore. I have I have never heard that before. Well, or, or never will you again. It, it'll never be uttered. Um, I will be using that on the regular. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> I, will repl- I will replace gorehound from my vocabulary with whore for gore. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, Rob. It's like make I, it a t-shirt or whatever. I mean, you know. It's going to happen. You'll get 10%. So, okay. are you a fan of The Ring, <laughs> Rob? I haven't seen his version of The Ring, actually. Why? Only seen oh, the Japanese wow. Movie. Oh, wow. It's amazing. I love that movie to death. I do. Uh, yeah. Admittedly, I haven't seen Ringu. Okay. I've I have. <laughs> but I, you've seen Rango. So, it's kind of like, <laughs> I've you know, seen similar. Rango, but not Ringu. Um, I have seen Ringu. Uh, but I am love with the ring. I, I, yeah, it's I love, quite good. I love Verbinski before I knew who Verbinski was because I love the ring so much. That's that's my entry point. <laughs> I I'm I'm a fan of uh, his earlier film. I love Mouse Hunt a lot. I didn't see that until I was a grown up. Oh so. boy, that's a fun movie. It's fun, yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun. A lot of good slapstick in that one. I I, I will go to bat for the third act. Or even like no, just the final action sequence in Lone Ranger, that's a standout. Yeah, I need I to see that. It's it's a decent movie. It's yeah, but I hear like the finale is like out of this world. Um, but hey, I we we this is just our gore talk. Okay, this is us talking gore. I won't go a bunch to of bat. Gore whores. <laughs> Let's just rename them podcasts. The whores for gore. Okay. We I I will definitely go to bats for Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, the mm-hmm. trilogy, okay? Yes, uh, as we call it, the trilogy. The trilogy. I do not want to hear about the fourth one or the impending fifth one. I it's didn't. F- I forgot they existed until you mentioned it. Thanks. <laughs> two, one, two, and three, and and for for this conversation, I'll stick to two and three because I, I rewatched both of those this past weekend um, in preparation for Cure for Wellness, which I have not oh. seen. You watched uh, my favorite one and my not so favorite one. So I'm guessing two is your favorite one. I love it so much. And I forget what what these are called. Isn't the second one called Dead Man's Chest? Yes. The third one's called At World's End? At World's End, yeah. Okay, I got it right the first time. Uh, It uh, combined, they're like six hours hours long. It's fine. No joke. (laughs) And I did spend most of the night through... I stayed up until 3 a.m. watching these movies. Wow. They... I I I like them a lot. They have crazy shit in them. Mm-hmm. Verbinski uh, uh, is, is has crazy ideas in his head. Uh, before we recorded this episode, we were theorizing that he may have like drowned when he was a kid. And yeah, back- he's obsessed with water, and something happened to him. Came back to life and had visions of tentacles in his head. Uh, he's obsessed with like the slimy, the bizarre, uh, the weird. And it shows in Pirates, especially Pirates two and three. Not so much one. Yes. I think one. One he, is one is like a classic, like swashbuckler. Yeah, not not so much weird. I mean, sure you have ghost pirates, but I mean that's not that weird. 
but in the second one, you get one of the coolest creature designs ever with uh, Bill Nighy's uh, Davy Jones. Yes, Davy Jones. I, yeah, love, I love that him. character. He's amazing. He's good Nighy. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good Nighy. He's a good Nighy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I still have my... Uh, it's like a super, super um, detailed uh, Davy Jones action figure that I bought when the movie came out. It's still sitting on my desk. I love this thing. He he is so good in the movie. Like through that CGI, oh, he's great. through that CGI, uh, whatever, like, through that CGI design, you could still sense that hey, that's that a, is, that's, that's Bill Nye. That's Bill Nye. That's that's him. God, he's good. But the, the movie, like even how like the third one opens up at World's End with like uh, Jack Sparrow and the yeah. in I don't know where he is. Uh, Davy Jones Locker. That's right. Yes, yes. Ah, uh, it's insane. And oh, oh, like just the way he structures every action scene is insane. He's he's a nutcase. I think he has like an eye for action, like somebody like Michael Bay, where yeah, he he knows where to twist and turn the camera. He knows like the action shots that really work. Um, but and I think like Michael Bay, he's kind of uh, hindered by you know script and story, whatever. Yeah. But as a director, as like a, a coordinator of action. Uh, fewer like him. Yeah. And I'll say one more thing about the third one. <laughs> and, and this is all a good reminder of this series, cause, which I haven't seen these movies in, in years and years. But yeah, I forgot, same. I really need to rewatch these. I, I recommend you should, because the final action sequence, and this the third one is two hours and 40 goddamn minutes. It is way too long. That, that's the second one? That, no, sorry, the third one. Two hours third one's and two minutes. hours and 50 minutes. With the, no, the second what? Oh, the, the third one, third one is two hours and fifty minutes. It's fifty minutes. Okay, I, yes. I I was I was giving it too much credit. It's two hours and Sec- fifty minutes. Second one's just two and a half hours. That's a breeze. Don't worry. About oh, it. They're, they're too long. Um, there's a maybe. There's a wedding scene. There's a wedding ceremony on on the boat as like it's going through like this whirlpool and like there's oh, this yeah. action sequence going on. Uh, who is it? Orlando Bloom and Karen Eitler getting married as like Barbosa. Yes. Uh, Jeffrey Rush, who's also incredible. He's he's always great. He's the captain, and he's marrying them as they're like swashbuckling and killing. <laughs> it's these, ridiculous. Like, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, it's it's one of my favorite words. Bonkers. Yeah, but I uh, yeah, I'll say I love the insanity of the whole thing. So and he can he can really craft a really interesting action sequence. I mean, going back to Dead Man's Chest, he has the that sword fight. On top of like that wheel, yeah, it's like a three-man sword fight. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's on top of that like uh, that that I don't know what that's called. It's that giant wheel that moves uh, water into water. A mill. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The water wheel, and it's water like going wheel. through the going through the jungle and stuff. And it just it's really cool. It's like wow, this is basically a superhero movie, but they're not superheroes, and it works better than anything I've seen in a superhero movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're praising this, I, and I know Matt, you're not a fan of the third one. I I can go to the back for the I, third one. It's I, fine. Yeah, and I I'm not going to commit myself, but I may write something about it, like because yes, the fifth Pirates is coming up. That's oh that, boy. that's a thing. I I will see it just because uh, I I'm a fan of the third. I'm a fan of the first three. I like it, Bardem, so I'll go see the new one. Yeah, but I, I'll will see it. I'm not that excited, but I'm I I, I I am excited enough about the first three to write something kind of in defense. Cool of the trilogy. Um, and Rob, I you you've been quiet. I don't think you're a fan of these movies, are you? <laughs> I've seen just the first three. I haven't seen any of the non-Brabinski ones. Just you because, don't need to. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, 
maybe I'll revisit the other ones when uh, uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales comes out in May. Uh, funny enough, you can't spell Dead Men Tell, tell No Tales without Mordecai. So it's <laughs> a good thing to <sighs> Have you tweeted that yet, Rob? You should tweet I that. I did. I okay, should. Okay, good. Okay. All right. All right. I, on the fourth one, I will say it's worth it just for Ian McShane, because anytime you can oh, yeah. see Ian McShane in a movie, especially here where he's playing Blackbeard, that's pretty cool. I, I love Penelope Cruz, but I can't for the life of me recall a thing she did in the fourth one. She so. was in it. I know she was in it. That's all I can tell you about it. <laughs> I don't. I, don't uh, I really just remember Ian McShane in that movie. I don't. I maybe should revisit it because I had a bad experience with it. It has um, scary mermaids. I know that. I don't recall. I don't remember any of it. I just all yeah, I remember scary mermaids. All I remember uh, are pirates running through dark woods and me like trying to squint through my 3D glasses, <laughs> okay? Because I saw that in 3D, and the 3D Ugh. projection was terrible. So Usually is. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so the cure... Uh, a, sorry, A Cure for Wellness, right? That's a uh, good movie. That's a good movie. And if you're listening to this, it's close to being three weeks since its release. Uh, we pray that it's still a local theater... <laughs> Although it may not be, it, didn't it come in tenth place at the box office? Yeah, levels? it opened something. with like four million dollars or something, which for yes. a movie in under three thousand theaters isn't great. But you know, it's kind of developed something of like a cult. I've noticed on like Twitter amongst lots of other movie aficionados, people who are just as wildly impressed as like me and Matt were. So obviously. It's got something of a following, which is yeah. nice because that's the thing. When I saw the movie, walking out of it, I'm like, I'm pretty sure like 90 percent of people who see this are gonna fucking hate it, yep. you know. Yep. And it's not it's, it's hard not hard to see why. Obviously, the story is just as Matt put it bonkers, um, and the visuals only go so far. But if you know you those things don't bug you too much, then you're gonna be in for an awesome, wild two and a half hour, you know, horror thriller ride. Haunted hayride. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He doesn't love that length, doesn't Mr. Gore Verbinski? Because, yeah, it's two and a half hours, which... Uh, you know, let me ask you guys. I mean, is, is More it... like more Verbinski. <laughs> okay, ah. that's it. Good. Thanks for coming on, Rob. I think that's the end of the show. Uh, no more Haycast episodes ever. <laughs> oh. Let me get this out. Oh. I'm sorry. Let me get this out. <laughs> of course, good old Canadian sorry. Um... <laughs> Two and a half hours. Is it? Is it? Like, do you feel the runtime? Is it? Is it worth it? Nope. I don't I feel think, the runtime. I feel like it's definitely worth it for like the last like major like finale set piece because that's pretty insane. Itself. Okay, but so, it does kind of yep. drag in the middle. But like, the mystery keeps you compelled to keep watching and see where it's all going to end up. And it is very satisfying in the end on that regard. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's so. I'll, I'll definitely say for sure. I am a gore whore, so I'm there. I'm there. You're not a gore whore. You're a whore for gore. <laughs> get it right. We're going to use our new catchphrase, and you better get it right. Let's all passive text. So let's 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 continue on. I know we have a hard out. So I, I let me quickly get one of mine out of the way. I saw the Great okay. Wall. Uh, was it, it great? It's fine. It's a dumb was action it, movie. Was there a wall for most of it? I was like, why am I not why am I not seeing this on Netflix for the first time? It feels like a Netflix <laughs> type of movie you discover that's starring Matt Damon. Um, but one one thing I couldn't help uh, getting out of my mind, Matt, is something you kept saying like on Twitter and on like on messaging. 
you kept saying, oh, that movie looks pretty. And I will report back, Matt, that it, it is a very pretty movie. It's, I was just going to ask, is it a pretty movie? It has gorgeous colors, especially at the end. Yeah, There's an end sequence yeah. where they fight these monsters. I don't want to get into the plot because the plot's stupid. They're dragons. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. They're, they're, they're stupid. Um, they fight these monsters, and they go up this like tower, and like it's... There, the panels are like rainbow colored, and it's shining Ooh. through. It's it's one of the most pretty scenes in like a bizarre monster movie made in China I've ever seen. So, huh? Yeah, it's it, it's colorful, and by the end, I was having a good time. I had a dumb smile. On, I had a dumb smile on my face because it's 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 a dumb action movie, and yeah. Matt Damon is silly as, as somebody who's trying to be Irish. <laughs> he's he's really Wait, trying. What? He's trying. He's really going for that Irish accent. He's oh, he's Irish in this. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, man. It's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll see this eventually one day, maybe. I I I give it a recommendation if if it's still playing uh, at at your theaters, go like on a cheap Tuesday, like I did. I spent five bucks on it. So I was a good crowd. They were laughing throughout, which was really surprised me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 a crowd pleaser. Um, and again, like the story is dumb as hell. But I think the yeah. creature the creature design's okay. The production design is pretty pretty nice to look at. So yeah, the Great Wall. It's pretty decent. It's, it's pretty. pretty. It's pretty. So yeah, the Great um, Wall. At least it's pretty. The Great Wall. At least it's pretty. Okay. Uh, who's next? Hey, how about this? Real quick, uh, Rob, will you write us in the in the correct direction? Whatever. <laughs> Figure out that clue, Rob. Will you write us in the right direction? Right. Oh, right. As in director Eddie, Eddie Wright. Edgar Wright. Yes. Okay. I gotcha. Eddie. Yeah. Eddie. Tell, <laughs> tell me all about the fuzz that is hot. All right. So if you've been, if you're a regular, you know. Person who goes if you're to a regular our person. site, <laughs> <laughs> but only under that condition. Yeah, so we did an article on Hot Fuzz for its 10th anniversary last week on Valentine's Day, Aww. and it, it must have been a lot of people who were just like, you know, dateless because we got so many hits on it. I mean, but like, <laughs> holy shit, like 70,000 hits or something. Yeah, that's a, ma- that's a major shade at our readers, but okay, yeah. go on. But but I did decide to rewatch the movie because I had to. Um, but I did after I wrote the article and. Um, it was just nice to kind of revisit because I remember seeing that when I was like in high school when it came out and it was just so amazing. I've never seen like a comedy that worked like that on that level. And I kind of regret not watching the film before I wrote the article because I missed so many jokes I could have referenced in it. And I kind of even missed the point of the movie having to like write it just from retrospect, I guess. Um, I mean, it's easy to say this is a movie that kind of, um, it's like a pastiche, it's like a lampooning of like American like action cinema by yeah. you know repositioning in it to like uh the British countryside and this whole sort of thing where this, you know, total um prestige level cop now gets kicked out of London and has to go where there's like no crime whatsoever and then he uncovers this whole sort of murder plot. Um and it is kind of an inversion of like American action films, but it also looks at the whole sort of um British um, sort of uh, not chamber drama, but you know the kind of thing I'm talking about, right? Where yeah. it's sort of like the movies that like um, you'd see like a Jim Broadbent or like Maggie Grace star in, where it's like mm-hmm. it's very polite, very um, upper sort of uh, stiff upper lip class uh, sort of thing, and 
Um, it's just sort of like very like a, kind of like a Merchant Ivory drive. film, like a Merchant Ivory or something like yeah. Andrew Hake's like 45 Years or something, uh, and taking like characters you'd normally associate in those movies and have them like suddenly like producing like firearms and just like blasting things away everywhere. Um, I feel like I could have described that the better, but it also you know touches on other sort of weird British movies like The Wicker Man or like uh, Don't Look Now uh, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's really interesting like amalgamation and. I think in my uh, look back on Hot Fuzz, I kind of touched on the fact that this is one of those movies that like cinephiles are going to love because, you know, there's like a reference or like a nod to something every like 10 seconds. And the more you rewatch it, the more you discover that wasn't there last time because chances are you were laughing so hard you missed it. Or maybe it was just something you didn't understand at the time of watching it. So seeing it again 10 years later, that was the sort of thing that really appealed to me that like in this two hour movie, it is just like so loaded and jam packed. And if you watch, there's like a trivia feature on the Blu-ray or DVD oh, wow, that's cool. and it like pops up. And every time something happens, it kind of tells you where this is alluding towards. And uh, there's also commentary with Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino where they just gab about the movie and stuff. And that's nice. also in itself interesting way to kind of look at the film again but yeah (laughs) i gotta say it's definitely one of those movies that like is very near and dear to my heart you know one of the best comedies i've ever seen one of the best overall pieces of entertainment like one of those things i could just throw on any time and like just as much as they did the first time so i totally had to write up the 10th anniversary of the movie because it was such a massive event and we're so fortunate this year we're getting a brand new Edgar Wright movie that's already people foaming at the mouth for so you know yeah <laughs> yeah, baby I, driver. I love Edgar Wright. Uh, fans of this podcast and other podcasts I've done know that Scott Program versus the World is one of my favorite movies of all time. So of same, course, yeah. So of course, Hot Fuzz. I love it. I'm glad you wrote that article, Rob, and I'm glad so many people read it. Uh, and I, it's a movie I love more and more each time I see it. I definitely need a rewatch. Um, it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, and yeah, I, I, I have listened to that Quentin Tarantino, Edgar Wright commentary. I listened to it, I think, when I first bought that special edition, I think, Blu-ray. And man, was I lost listening to that thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just two guys who know everything about movies, talking about yeah. these obscure, like, 70s, 80s cop movies that I have, I had no idea. At that point, I had no idea what they were talking about. Like, every it's like one of those things where you're just kind of laughing along and being like, I have no idea what's going <laughs> on right now. <laughs> yes, should, this is all hilarious. <laughs> I should listen back. I think, uh, you know, having been on Twitter writing for movie writing about movies for so long now that maybe I'll get maybe maybe 10% of those references now but no <laughs> uh, so Edgar Wright knows his movies he's definitely one of those directors and it completely shows like in all of his movies like the the references the the camera techniques everything he uses everything he throws at the screen it's from that that immense knowledge he has so it shows in Hot Fuzz for sure I mean Matt you're a fan right yeah I am. I haven't seen it in many years, but I remember loving the shit out of this thing when I saw it in theaters. Yeah, it is so good. Uh, I remember... Actually, I was the only one in the audience that laughed when they did the Romeo and Juliet joke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When there's like the three-minute, like, oh, we're going to go see uh, uh, Romeo and Juliet, and it's just, you know, it's Love Fool by uh, the the Cardigans playing. I was the only person in the theater laughing, and I felt weird. I was like, I was like, you should know your '90s pop, folks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, so 
Yeah, Hot Fuzz. Happy birthday, Hot Fuzz. Oh, uh, and, and Timothy Dalton, of course. Awesome. Yes. I, that goes without saying. He's uh, terrific in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was Hot Fuzz. And, of course, we can't wait for Baby Driver. Um, speaking Baby of, Driver. I don't know why you're doing it that way. I don't know. I just like saying it like that. It <laughs> makes sense. It's, it's that, but it's also one of my favorite Simon and Garfunkel songs. So uh, looking forward to that adaptation of, the po- of that, that song. <laughs> I think it's going to be like a prequel to like The Driver with Ryan uh, O'Neill, but he's like a baby now. <laughs> Actually, I hope it's uh, based on the song. That would be pretty cool. I'm sure he'll put the song in there at some point because he said like the when he wrote the script, it was like written to like all these songs and they're kind of woven into there. So that would be a oh, pretty good. cool sort of intertextual kind of thing. More movies should be based on songs. That's what I'm trying to say. Speaking of songs, uh, I saw the Eagles of Death Metal documentary, No Ami. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, it's on HBO. It's an HBO documentary. And I actually spent the weekend just watching uh, documentaries on HBO, uh, three of which I'll talk about w- real quick later on. But this one covers the Eagles of Death Metal. Uh, they were at the Paris bombings um, a few, was it like three years ago now? Um, and yeah, this documentary talks about them going back, uh, I think, three months after the bombings to perform in Paris. And it also deals with the formation of the band, Eagles of Death Metal. Uh, so it's, it, it, it's an interesting, yet you know, kind of slight documentary. Um, it is powerful, though. And the reason why it's powerful is it deals with these two guys, uh, Jesse Hughes and Josh Holm. Yeah, yeah Josh Holm, of course. Uh, he, he, uh, he's in Queens of the Stone Age. And uh, the, the story they tell about Josh Holm and Jesse Hughes getting together and forming Equals of Death Metal, it's touching. Because Jesse Hughes, the, the leader of Equals of Death Metal, like he, before he got into songwriting, before he got into, into this band, like he was a family guy, he was a, you know, a really normal you know, person. And then you know, he, caught, he, he caught his wife cheating on him, then he had like a big breakdown, and Josh Holm came in. He's like a he was like a uh, a uh, a friend of his. Came into town, talked to him. He said, "Hey, you know, uh, I can help you out with this. Uh, how about you know we start writing songs?" And then they started the band, and it was like a healing process for for Jesse Hughes. And it's it's touching. It, you you uh, Jesse Hughes like is like the emotional thread in this whole thing, and you could definitely sense. It's 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 on display. Him being just devastated by the attack, and being touched by like his fans, uh, and him going back to Paris and performing for his fans for the survivors. Uh, it's by the end, it's pretty pretty damn beautiful. I I shed a tear. It's it's really really good. This documentary. So if you want to know you know about these these two Jesse Hughes and Josh Holm, like their friendship. And just them rocking the shit out of, uh, just shaking things up in rock and roll. Then yeah, it's it's a pretty good documentary. I definitely they're a pretty good it. band. Yeah, <laughs> they're pretty good. Um, so yeah, it's it's good. Eagles of Death Metal. Uh, was it? I don't know French. Whatever that French title is. Uh, uh, it was directed by Colin Hanks. Yes, I'll directed by Colin Hanks. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 friends with all these guys. He, he made that. Um, Tower Records documentary a few years ago. So they just they just want to hang out with him because his dad is super cool. Come on now, <laughs> let's be real. 
He's a, he's a pretty good filmmaker, Colin Hanks. He's, he, like every, he like everyone tries stuff. to hang out with Colin Hanks, and then like two months in, they're like, so when are we going to meet your dad? <laughs> and he's like, oh, we're not hanging out with him. I mean, then they leave him, and he gets new friends. <laughs> I'm sure he's an okay guy, Colin Hanks. Yeah, I'm no, sure nothing. <laughs> I I enjoy him well enough. I've seen him in a few films. You've enjoyed him well enough. That's that's yeah. that's high praises from Matt. Curion. He's he's pretty good in Orange County. Okay, that's a good movie. Speaking of Orange County, um, <laughs> doesn't doesn't Twenty Century Woman take place in California, Rob? Yes, it's like uh, Southern California. Yeah, there so you I, go. It takes place transition. in the OC. Yeah. So you saw that movie, a movie I've wanted to see forever. And Same. I, I never got around to seeing it when it was out yeah. here in Austin. But Rob, you just saw it. A, yeah. An Oscar nominee. Best original screenplay. Yes. And it's a very warranted nomination. Although, having seen the movie, I feel like it's one of those ones that people are going to catch in a couple of months from now. And I kind of feel like it should have been up for some more than mm-hmm. just that. I mean... In the hypothetical situation that, you know, every acting category had, like, ten nominees, I'm sure Annette Bening would have gone in for her performance here. It was so good. Um, I feel like she would have gotten in if it wasn't for Meryl Streep, for sure, which I still don't understand this whole sort of uh, Florence Foster Jenkins business. I mean, well, it kind of seems the, like... That's the rule. That you need to nominate Meryl Streep. It kind of seemed like Meryl Streep was like, I'm going to make a movie. I'm going to get an Oscar nomination this year. And they're just like, okay, we can make that happen. <laughs> okay, I mean, cool. Yeah, it's ruined the dreams of, like, you know, so many other deserving actresses. But anyway, uh, back to the film. Yeah, 20th Century Woman is just... It's the, it's the next film from Mike Mills, who you might know he did Beginners a couple of years ago with Ewan McGregor and Christopher Plummer. Mm-hmm. He also did um, Thumbsucker with uh, Lou Taylor Pucci. Um couple years before that uh so this is his third film and it's a partly autobiographical sort of story it's based uh the characters in the film are based off of his own uh, mother and sister uh and his friends he grew up with so it's kind of interesting from that kind of perspective and it basically follows um annette benning trying to raise her son in the end of uh, the 1970s in this sort of era when uh you know punk music is like on the rise and uh, we're kind of getting into the 1980s and all these kind of crazy changes that no one can even process or, uh, you know, anticipate, I guess, in a lot of ways. But it's a really interesting sort of film in the terms of uh, the way in which it's kind of, like, played out. It's kind of funny at times. Sometimes it's kind of, you know, unbearably sad. But uh, if I could describe it, it would be like, imagine, like, Six Feet Under, the HBO show, as sort of like a period piece but like condensed into like a feature film I guess and huh. no one dies uh, really on screen I guess but Spoiler. It kind of the same kind of tone I guess I guess you could say uh, if you can feel me in that I can feel you okay <laughs> well yeah I, I want, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, it's Mike Mills right yeah uh, I'm a big fan of Beginners I like that one a lot I know it has its uh well, what do you call it? People who don't like that movie. Uh, you don't care for those people. Who don't, who don't. <laughs> but no, I, I, like I've said, I wanted to see this for a while. Um, I mean, do you, uh, I mean, you, you do believe Rob that Annette Bening should have been nominated, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. she, uh, she's been like one of those like you know perennial bridesmaids. She's been nominated a couple times. She's never actually won, and 
uh, she seems to keep going uh, and going back, and always there's just someone else who's more deserving, I guess. Which is why it was kind of sad yeah, to hear she just not recently, more deserving. <laughs> well, I don't know. I just it's kind of sad for me to see that she just signed on to that um, Ryan Murphy American Crime Story show or something like that. Oh so yeah, just she's like she's throwing in the, the cover, towel, right? Yeah, she's like, I'm going to TV now. Screw you guys. She's like, you screw know? it. I'll get it. I'll get some Emmys. Yeah, you know, in the meantime, but um. Yeah, she was just really, really good in this performance, um, and she's great, and Greta Gerwig is great, and Elle Fanning is great. Um, just three, like, really outstanding female performances here that are very layered, and, uh, you know, you can't take your eyes off them. Yeah, I can't wait for this movie. I'm excited. This, uh, and, yeah, I am kicking myself still for missing it. Huh, yeah. Same. Yeah. Um, it played I, here for about a week. Ugh, it played here for about three weeks, and I still missed out. So I'm an idiot. Uh, You're not an idiot. Don't, be, don't be so mean. I'm lost. <laughs> Much like paradise. <laughs> Much like paradise. I'll make this quick. I saw the devil. Made, the devil made a deal with some angels. I saw. The, oh no, that's the actual paradise lost. Okay, go on. I saw. <laughs> I saw three. I saw the three paradise lost movies on HBO. Uh, yes, folks, if, if you can't tell, I, I recently renewed my HBO Now subscription. So, <laughs> uh, Paradise Lost, Par- Paradise Lost 2, Paradise Lost 3. Uh, I was blown away by this saga. Um, I, for one, have... I, I've, I, I knew bits and pieces from the real-life uh, sto- uh, real um, uh, crime story and eventual like conclusion of this of the West yeah. Memphis three, right? Okay, um, yeah. But I, I didn't know the, the, the details of it until watching these three documentaries. And man, the twists and turns through all this, I was like in shock. I this is like why documentaries are made. Just to present these these people who are larger than life and these details that you find so bizarre and this the fact that these kids were imprisoned for what they're imprisoned for under so much bullshit it's it, it, i can you know it, it's comparable to like oj made in america uh in terms of like it's look into the legal system and how it just sometimes gets it right sometimes it gets it very wrong so yeah that's paradise lost these three movies um for going from 96 the first one all the way through the third one uh, to 2011. 2011, yeah. Yeah. So, man, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, Matt, do you know this story? Have you seen any of these documentaries? No, but I know of the story. Yeah, the, sto- the story is crazy. I-, I-, I didn't know that, like, it wasn't until semi-recently that one of the... Uh, I-, I guess I-, I should give details. Like, yes, like, these three, the Memphis three, were convicted and charged with mur- the murder of um, some, uh, like, I think there were six or seven-year-olds, three of them. Yeah. And they were mutilated, these kids. Like, their penises were severed. Wow. Uh, like, like, people really thought, like, these, the three, the Memphis three were, like, um, devil worshippers. They're, they're, they're performing, like, satanic rituals on the kids. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the main focus of Paradise Lost, the first one. Then the second one goes into, like, them in prison, and there's maybe possible other uh, people who were involved with this. Uh, other suspects, and one of the suspects being one of the murdered kids' dad. 
And it just gets more bizarre from there. And the third one, when uh, I guess everybody at this point knows the story that they, the Memphis Three, eventually got released from prison. But man, like this documentary by the end just just reveals just how messed up the evidence gathering was, and how there are other potential suspects out there who could have committed these murders. So it it blew my mind. There's a reason why I spent like two days just going through these as quickly as possible. So. Yeah, uh, I, I I may be just preaching to the choir for people listening who already know these these documentaries mm-hmm. are amazing. So I finally got to see them for the first time. So yeah, so, I mean, Rob, have you seen all these? I haven't seen them, but I did see like the movie uh, sort of narrative version of them that Adam McGoyan made called Devil's Knot. It has um, Colin Firth and Reese Witherspoon. How is and that? it's terrible. <laughs> Like, it tries to take the content of three movies and compress them into a movie that's under two hours, oh, and it is just awful. It's something that complex you can't really, um, you know, pack into, like, a little film, especially when it's got all these, like, you know, actors who are trying to spotlight and give very, like, showy performances and big courtroom speeches. It is just... I wouldn't uh, recommend it. Not even as, like, a palate cleanser for it, so... Oh, yeah. See, the, the only other movie I'd see is uh, West Memphis 3, which I think is the... The, the movie that came out the same year as the third Paradise Lost movie, uh, which is another documentary that kind of goes through like the case, which I hear is like as good as these doc- as these documentaries. So, yeah, hmm. um, if you have HBO, there you go. These three documentaries well worth your time, and I also think they're on Amazon Prime. Uh, so, nice, yeah. So that's Paradise Lost, one of the best documentary, I guess, series I've seen. So, uh, it's crazy. How do we transition <laughs> to the next one? Uh, if they could turn back time. If I could turn back time, I would go back to um, 1995 and uh, see 12 Monkeys when it first came out. Because, holy crap, I waited so long to finally see Terry Gilliam's 12 Monkeys. So <gasps> the first time? This was my first time seeing it. And, holy shit, am I happy I finally scratched this off the watch list. I loved uh, a lot about this movie. Um, it's basically this... Okay, the basic story is, you know, uh, Bruce Willis has to go back in time to stop uh, a super virus from killing most of the population, like 99% of Earth. And um, he's sent through, uh, sent back through time from the year 2037, and he has to find, you know, a doctor and this and that, but nothing works out because he gets sent back too early because the time machine is kind of shitty and they haven't worked out all the all the kinks yet. Uh, but I love this thing. I mean, it's Gilliam clearly having a lot of fun, but also trying to be normal, I think. <laughs> at least at least Gilliam level of normal, because I don't think he's capable of making a straight-laced movie. Um and what helps it helps ground this one is uh, a terrific cast. Uh, I think this is one of Bruce Willis's best performances. He really sells everything he does in this movie. Uh, they pretty much put him through the ringer uh, with everything he has to do in this movie. Uh, Brad Pitt, awesome. He is a uh, I love saying this word batshit crazy guy in this movie, uh, and he's got a weird eye, which helps. Um, but no, I really love uh, Brad Pitt in this. Uh, the the lead. A woman, Madeline Stowe? Yes, that's her. Uh, also, really good. She plays the psychiatrist that reluctantly teams up with uh, Bruce Willis's Cole character uh, to basically change the past in order to fix the future, which, uh, I mean, if you know anything about time travel stories, not going to happen. 
<laughs> but hey, it's but hey, this has some of the coolest production design I've seen. Uh, it, I love that it takes place in Philadelphia, a city that's you know maybe forty five minutes away from me, and I could I could pick out certain areas that they were in. I'm like, yeah, this looks just like it looked when I was in Philly, except this has a lion in it uh, because you know all the animals are loose uh, on the surface. And yeah, this is uh, this is awesome. This I, I love Terry Gilliam. Uh, I've loved almost everything I've seen by this man, uh, except for his last film, which I loathed. Uh, but yeah, no, I love Twelve Monkeys. It's pretty, pretty cool. Wait, I would totally recommend it. Remind me, what was his last movie? The Zero Theorem. Oh, with bald Christoph Waltz. Yeah, it's the one. It's the it's the Twitch live stream where Christoph Waltz plays a video game for two hours. And that's all he fucking does. <laughs> what? I haven't seen it. Don't. Um, okay. What you can do is go on YouTube and look up the clip of Tilda Swinton uh, giving a dope hip hop verse. Other than that, <laughs> skip that movie. The, it is hot garbage. What the fuck's going on? I. Uh... <laughs> it's not good. Oh, okay. I, but I, yeah, no. But uh, I love Twelve Monkeys. I, it's I so good. I love I, Twelve Monkeys. I can't believe this is the first time you've seen it. It's, it's yeah, so it's good. wild. Yeah, is this? I, for, so, oh, sorry, for some I reason gonna, I put it off. For some reason I put it off forever. I don't know why, but I was going to ask. Here are, I am. Are you and Carlos still doing your alphabetical movie view? We are. Uh, yeah, I, I'm assuming you still on the numbers. Right? We are on the numbers. Uh, I think the next movie we're watching after Twelve Monkeys is Twelve Years a Slave, so that's going to be fun. <laughs> Should have double featured Twelve Monkeys and Twelve Years a Slave. That would have been. Uh, nah, <laughs> we were going to, but I'm like, no, I can't deal with that tonal shift. Sorry, sir. <laughs> uh, Rob, you've seen Twelve Monkeys, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, I think it's one of my favorite remakes uh, in terms of like oh, expanding right. upon an original concept. Yeah, uh, because the the original what's what was the original name again? It's uh, based off this uh, short by Chris Marker called La Jete. That's right. Uh, it's like a 12 minutes. It's all in still photographs. But, like, I think what happened was uh, the producer of Universal liked the short a lot and convinced them to, like, make a huge, big budget version of it. And uh, <laughs> Terry Gilliam is, like, the perfect kind of crazy guy, you know, to morph that concept and everything. So, uh, yeah, I recommend, like, watching just the short after having seen the movie and seeing, like, the way in which they've expanded upon that like initial premise because it's pretty interesting actually yeah absolutely yeah um uh, i'm gonna bet that short is on filmstruck for for fans who are oh yeah for sure yeah you can get the uh criterion la jete and sans soleil like double feature criterion release and it's on filmstruck too so you know those are essential films and they're already that long so i mean they're beautiful too so yeah absolutely yeah um so that's 12 monkeys um it's awesome. <laughs> Speaking of awesome, uh, little syndrome from China. Yes, uh, like I said last week, I promised I would watch this because That's I gave right. a little sneak preview. And the holy Mac crap! Promise. Holy crap! Uh, Nineteen seventy-nine, uh, the China syndrome. I loved this movie. Uh, it is my type of seventies paranoid thriller, uh, basically about uh, the dangers of nuclear power and. Jane, uh, Jane Fonda and Michael Douglas play reporters who accidentally film an accident uh, while at the control room of a local nuclear power plant uh, that is uh, basically watched over. Uh, the uh, The guy at the controls is Jack Lemmon, who uh, he is awesome in this. Uh, I'm very happy that I, after I looked watched this movie, I looked it up and he was up for Best Actor that year. Well deserved. Um, this movie. Uh, 
it's really something special. I love uh, what the director is able to do here. Uh, the director is James Bridges, and he really keeps the tension throughout. Uh, it's one of those 70s thrillers that it's all about that paranoia and, you know, this nuclear power plant, the, the higher-ups, the CEO, they're out to silence these reporters. They're like, you can't do this. This is a lot of money at stake. Meanwhile, Jane Fonda and Jack Lemmon are like, yeah, but a lot of people could die if something terrible were to happen at this uh, at this plant. Uh, really love this thing. It's it's really cool to see Wilford Brimley in his first film role as basically Jack Lemmon's friend at the at the plant. Uh, and it's also weird to see Finn Brimley uh, because I didn't know that was a thing that ever existed. Finn Brimley. Um, I, I, I did my research on this movie, and in the months leading up to this thing's release, uh, all the uh, like the consortium of like nuclear power plants in the country were like, this is nothing but propaganda, this is garbage, this could never happen in real life. And then about ten days after this movie premiered, uh, the Three Mile Island incident happened over in uh, Pennsylvania, where they did have a partial meltdown. And Fake guess news. what? Those... And guess what? Those uh, nuclear lobbies, they kind of shut their mouths. It's fake news. They were like, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, they were kind of like, oh, well, maybe it can happen. So, yeah, it's crazy that this movie happened when it did. Uh, and they were able to shut those people up pretty quick. Yeah, China Syndrome. I have not seen this. It's great. It's scary. Oof. Uh, Rob, have you seen China Syndrome? No, but I should get around to it at some point because it sounds dope. It's yeah. so freaking good, and it, it's one of my favorite genres, that whole 70s paranoia thing. I love it. Uh, so you're, you're on, like, a 70s kick, aren't you? You, you had, like, yes. a 70s fest last week, right? Yeah, I had my uh, disaster movie festival, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then uh, then I watched The China Syndrome, and then, uh, yeah, I'll be talking about some more 70s, uh, not only in this episode, but uh, next week as well. Oh, excellent. Speaking of 70s... Um, this came out in the seventies, right? I'm not yeah. questioning myself. Uh, network. Yeah, Rob's yeah. mad as hell. Tell us all about it. How mad? <laughs> Tell us about your rage you? and anger. Yeah. Yeah. I just caught this <laughs> on TV. Like it was on TV like late Saturday night because TCM is doing their like twenty eight days of Oscar and like yeah, they're doing yeah. it in alphabetical form this year. So network was there like Saturday at ten o'clock. You know, slot <laughs> and it's one of those movies where anytime it's on, I just kind of have to watch it because. Um, it's it's timeless in a way. I mean, you know, especially given the last couple of months, like all the things that kind of become apparent in the movie, you know, you've got um, Peter Finch's, you know, great, you know, outstanding speech about, you know, just, you know, not, you know, willing to take down the, you know, things that are going on, you know, modern culture and, you know, taking up, uh, you know, any sort of power you can to make a difference uh, about it. And in the social age, I kind of feel like that's exactly what's happening right now when people mm-hmm. aren't, you know, taking our U.S. political sort of schema, you know, the way it's happening. They're trying to do anything they can to circumvent it, you know. And I just, it's such a brilliant movie in so many ways, and it's so well-directed by... Sidney Lumet and the script from Patty Chayefsky yes. and performances uh, across the board. I just, it's one of those movies where it's like, if you, you have to see it, I mean, it's essential piece of American cinema. Yeah, it's, it's terrific. I, I, there's so many iconic scenes in this movie. I mean, obviously you have the, um, 
the scene with uh, Peter Finch, you know, the whole mad as hell thing. Uh, but my favorite probably is uh, Ned Beatty's sequence. Uh, you have meddled with the powers uh, that be, uh, Mr. Beale, and you will, you will atone uh, in that really dark, creepy boardroom. I love that sequence. I think that's really good. And... Uh, let me talk about Beatrice Strait real quick. Uh, she's in this thing for, like, what, four and a half minutes? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. And she won Best Supporting Actress. Well-deserved. Uh, it is a basically kicking uh, my deadbeat husband out of a house scene, but no one has ever done it better than Beatrice Strait. She is out of this world in network. Holy shit. <laughs> I love Faye Dunaway in this. Mm-hmm. Her hard as nails character, and yep. one of the best like little quirks you can ever give to a character of her, uh, uh, <laughs> a woman uh, who just wants to get once it gets to the point. So much so that during sex she just orgasms like like real quick, and she's like, you know, what's the point? <laughs> I'm going we're any done. Further. We're, we're done. done here. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah, the whole cast. The whole cast here is amazing. Uh, Dunaway, William Holden, Robert Duvall. It, it, it's. A bunch of all-timers coming together to make one of the best films ever made. Yes, absolutely. And I need a rewatch, and I'm kind of scared to give it a rewatch because yeah, it's it, it's a documentary at this point. I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> I, sh- I should upgrade to the uh, Blu-ray. I only have the DVD. You should. It's pretty. I should, yeah, I should. Very nice transfer. Uh, speaking of documentaries, Matt, ah. all the president's men. Yes, I watched this on President's Day in hopes that history would repeat itself. Uh, <laughs> I watched, uh, yeah, All the President's Men, uh, which is one of my favorite films of all time. I have seen this countless times. I I've lost track of the amount of times that I've seen this movie. It is as close to perfect as, as a film about newspapers will ever get. Uh, it's one of my quirks, I guess. I love a good newspaper drama. And All the President's Men has everything a journalism film needs to succeed. Uh, it has great performances. It has uh, my favorite Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman performances as uh, as Woodstein. I think they are terrific here. Um, Ellen J. Pakula, the, the director here, he... Um, actually, I'll be watching one of his movies this weekend when I watch The, the Parallax View. And uh, Ooh, so nice. that's, that's a little sneak peek for listeners. Uh, yeah, I love the cast here. I love... Everything about this. I love Jack Warden. He is awesome. And I love Jason Robards as Bren Bradley, Bren Bradley the, um, the head of the Washington Post. Uh, he is darkly funny in that you know that he, he... At first, he doesn't like Woodstein at all. But he knows that there's something to their story. And they need to pursue it. And no matter how much bullshit that the White House throws at them, saying that, uh, you know, the Washington Post are communists, they're bullshit, they're nothing, uh, fake news, fake news. Guess what? This was the realest news of that decade, probably ever, the whole Watergate scandal that was covered by Woodward and Bernstein. And they took down a president. Very few journalists, journalists can say that. And... I applaud them for what they did. They were, they were heroes. They were wonderful, wonderful people. And I am just waiting for this to happen again, uh, <laughs> sometime within the next four years. Luckily, we have at this point still a free press. I still think they're honest. Reporters As the time out there. of this, at the time of this recording, yes, <laughs> they have not been rounded up yet. 
but yes, I love those stories. They, um, are, they are, even though the press is the enemy of the people, uh, <laughs> and we should all be batting down their doors and canceling our subscriptions to the fake news. Um, no, I love we the, need we need we need this. Yeah, I, I love films like this that highlight the true stories of yes, there are reporters that 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 are doing important work. Yeah, uh, and they, sometimes they go above and beyond. Yeah, the fourth estate is essential to a a democracy. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. I mean, all that, all that business. That's what all the president's men is to me. It's like it's, it's an importance of, uh, and I think we talked about this last no last year or the year before. I can't remember now. I believe so. Yeah, with Spotlight, right? Yes. And how that's again another movie that highlights the importance. of yeah. of, of, of investigative invest- journalism. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. So. Uh, without doubt, a classic. And also, side note, it's gorgeous. Yeah, uh, there are so many really cool split diopter shots in this thing that uh, make uh, make the one who's in me, like you know, who goes for the visuals, like go crazy. Yeah, like I I love it. It's all seventies. I, I I love I love that aspect of it. Uh, I mean, Rob, you've seen this, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, God, I hope no, so. <laughs> Not to um, float to my horn, but I actually did a paper called Deep Deep Background, Alan J. Fakula's Paranoia Trilogy in Modern Surveillance Society. Um, they and almost, now, I want to read that. And now, Rob, <laughs> and now, Rob, we can read the whole thing right now. Go ahead. No. <laughs> I don't want to. I also don't know where it is on my computer, so I can't get it up right now. But I can uh, send it to you, Matt, later in case you want to read it. But Please do. That's awesome. But, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, but like, yeah, quickly describe like, what's in that trilogy. Well, that, um, Parallax View, and Clute, you know, the three sort of mm-hmm. films he made across the 1970s uh, intertwined in the various sort of political fabric and the changing societal uh, terms of the 70s themselves. Um, but I feel like All the President's Men is such a good climax. It's, it's actually taking heed at a historical, legit effect, which just kind of shocked the nation itself. And... Pakula does an outstanding job of, you know, fictionalizing, but also bringing in all these other sort of facts and uh, the whole sort of way in which it's kind of all placed together and this sort of dynamic duo of Redford and Hoffman. And it's just one of those films that's just, you know, even though it is mostly kind of like Spotlight in the way where it's like a good kind of boring, where if you just stop paying attention for a few minutes, you'll be totally lost in the story. It's one of those things where it's like you have to stay so focused, but you can't help but not be focused. Yeah. You got you got to be focused. There's a lot of names that fly by you that you got to kind of keep track of. I was talking to uh, Talk Film Society's uh, Schlockmaster General uh, the other day, and he watched this movie over the weekend as well. And he said, "I when I was watching the movie, I had a copy of the book next to me so I could keep track of all the names." <laughs> and that's Dan, right? Dan Cologne, yes. Yes, exactly. I just wanted to ID him. Uh, but yes, I, I, I again, it's just another one. You guys are just making me feel bad for not. Revisiting these movies so often, uh, it's one I haven't seen in years. I think I saw this on TCM, um, like when I was in high school, maybe. You should rewatch this. I should rewatch this. Uh, actually, yeah, the first time I saw this was um, back in college. They, I was taking a uh, journalism course, and I think the second week, the te- the professor was like, "Well, we're going to watch the best journalism film ever made. Buckle in, kids." <laughs> and flash forward to today and it's still I think it, it, it can mm-hmm. still hold that title so, yeah I would say so yeah absolutely um, and on that note I think we've done our fair share of journalism on this episode right we have <laughs> you can call this journalism we've, we, we've done our research we've reported back we've been fair and balanced 
<laughs> Rob, thank you for coming on. Uh, we we had to, you know, convince you. We, 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 we had to. What, what's the phrase? I already lost it. If, if I talk for two hours, then I completely lose my, my words. We had to twist your arm. We had to twist your arm yep. to get on the show. I don't think we did. <laughs> we finally convinced you. So thank you for again. Coming on. Yeah, yep. yeah. I'm happy to come on anytime. It's good. And six months between the last time I came on seemed like reason enough. So yeah. well, well, we I'm, shall have you back. And I'm sure the three of us will be on again for a future writers' room episode for yeah. Talk Prime. One of these uh, Sundays, I'll be free. Yeah, I think I think in March we'll we'll come together for something to talk about. We'll give it, we'll give them something to talk about. Cool. <laughs> That's a reference. Rob, oh, before we go, we, we should wrap this up. We, we can't stay here too long. Plugs, Rob, where can the fine people listening find you online? Uh, you can find all my current writing online at talkfilmsociety.com, where I am a constant presence, always writing articles or columns or reviews of the latest views at the cinema. And I'm hoping that in the next couple of weeks we can have a very special... Uh, thing up on the site, which I'm not going to say what it is right now, not because I don't know, but because you should find out. So, yeah. <laughs> An expert that's what, that's what we call That's what we call a tease and, in the business. <laughs> and uh, Okay, and I'll say this. I'm the editor-in-chief. I have no idea what Rob is talking about. <laughs> and, I have to ask and I'm him. the managing editor, and I have no idea what Rob's talking about. <laughs> so he's going to surprise all of us. He's going to um, surprise all of us. Oh, boy. Matt, what about you? Plugs. As usual, you can find me on Twitter, at TheRealMattC. You can also find me over on Letterboxd under the same name to see if I'm lying about what movies I've been watching. And you can find uh, the little things I do here and there over at TalkFilmSociety.com, where I am the managing editor. It's a lot of fun, it's a fun website, and it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Everyone I've shown the website to has been like, that, that, that's a really sleek-looking site. That's pretty. Well, I'm, I'm happy that that's the case. Um, I, yes, like, I kind of... Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say I designed it from scratch, but I kind of gave it like its basic layout. Yeah, and I I'm I, I'm not I'm not an ego I'm not an egomaniacal maniac, so I uh, I'll take that compliment, Matt. Even there though you go. I'm always striving to be better, and I I do think the website can look better. But hey, for now, I think it looks just fine. It looks pretty it good. It does. It does. It's pretty. Uh, why don't you check out that site, talkfromsociety.com? These are my plugs now. Uh, check all that out. Um, I can't wait for whatever Rob's talking about to come out. But, but yeah, but, what? <laughs> but I know for a fact that we have things on the horizon. We have things coming up. Of course, we we'll have to keep it close to the chest. Uh, I mean, by this point, you w- would have already read our Oscar coverage, our Oscar Oscar articles. Um, my cat is making a weird noise. It's kind of creeping me out right now. <laughs> uh, at Marcelo Pico on Twitter. Follow me for classy Jessica Chastain pics. Okay. That's it. Once again, I always like to thank the guest twice. Rob, thank you again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, it's time to close out our show with our signature catchphrase. So long and thanks for all the fish. Thanks for listening, folks, and keep on watching. Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> I love it. It's a bit. Dead it's silences. a bit. It's a bit. <laughs>